Season 5 of Glee, super excited. Season 5, episode 15, Bash. Gets a little heavy this episode. Gets a little heavy. But, of course, I'm not alone. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, this episode does get a little heavy. It's, uh, you know, they're they're here in New York, and there's not, you know, not a whole lot of need for high school storylines anymore, so they have a lot more room to grow. And I, uh, I think that they really, you know, capitalize on that in this episode, in the next episode, in uh, some of the future ones as well, of just like, let's, let's give these kids some real-life stuff to talk about now that they are uh, out of high school, and it makes sense for us to do so. Yeah, I know that there were, I mean... This sort of uh, topic isn't anything new if you watch the news or anything, um, but it's definitely sort of new in the realm of Glee. And like you said, they're no longer in high school, so uh, things are going to get a little bit more, um, I don't want to say more real, but I guess, you know, the stakes are, it's kind of like what Santana said, the life is like high school, just with higher stakes. Or exactly. Did, did Santana say that or did somebody else say that? Somebody said that. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm not good with uh, rem- remembering specific quotes unless they're on a plaque in the choir room. Yeah, but, uh, Santana said that. Yeah, Santana said that. Yeah, but but I mean, it's it's obviously uh, true, especially for these kids who are moving on from their high school together as a collective group that is, you know, spending their time together in New York. Uh, you hear a lot about, you know, how people don't stay friends after high school, and that's true for a lot of people. We've talked about, you know, our specific experiences with that um, on this podcast, but these kids are, uh, you know, one year out of out of high school, two years for some of them, and they're all uh, hanging strong together in the uh, in the big city. So. They uh they're they're moving on towards some bigger things together. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, we're gonna open. Let's just get right into it. We're gonna open up this episode with um this performance of "No One Is Alone" from the amazing Sondheim musical "Into the Woods." Is "Into the Woods" on Disney Plus? It should be because Disney produced it. I loved that movie. It was so good. I think a lot of people didn't really like it. Like if you're a big fan of the musical, they were like, "Yeah," but I liked it. Yeah, they are all uh, sort of, you know, coming to this candlelit vigil uh, of this guy that we don't really know his name yet, but there's a picture of him next to a lamppost, and there are flowers and, of course, other people there to pay their respects to this man uh, who's been killed, but no reason, there's like no, no word as to why yet. But the performance itself... I love this acapella rendition of the song. I think that this is probably one of Sondheim's best songs. I don't think that it's particularly hot take, but I just I think No One Is Alone is just really, really good. When I went to go see Into the Woods in theaters, I cried during like when Anna Kendrick and James Corden were singing. I think that it's just such a beautiful tune with, of course, beautiful lyrics because it's fucking Sondheim. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, pardon my maybe stupidity or confusion, but this boy wasn't killed, right? No, he was killed. I think he was so, killed. So, well, then who are they talking about later in the episode that he got beat up, but he's going to be okay? And then at the very end of the episode, they're like, he's he is okay. Mm. Right? Okay. Well, that, well, I, you don't, no, this person must have died. There must be two different people. This, because Why would you there don't, be two different people? Because you don't, you don't do candlelit 
vigils usually for people that are still alive. Like you don't. No, get I, I, that's why I totally. Um, yeah, that that's why I was so confused because at first I was like, we don't know who this person is, but obviously, uh, like my note literally says, they get to a candlelit vigil for a boy who must have recently passed. Um, but then they get back to the apartment in a little bit, and uh, they're talking about it was the neighbor's friend who got beat up, and he's lucky to be alive. And then later in the episode, at the very end, Blaine and Kurt talk about uh, they go back there, and you know, seems like the boy was uh, is okay now. Well, I mean, I just skipped ahead because I usually have the episode open. I skipped ahead. It's the same picture. So that's very strange. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people do do candlelit vigils for people that are still okay. You know, maybe they were doing it just in case because they didn't know at the time if he was going to be okay. Um, like it must so have been. Just... It seemed like it was really bad. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of people gathering. Like, there was a, a very uh, awful hate crime happening there. And, uh, you know, I think the, the community was gathering. But I feel like that's – but, like, I totally, like I said, I was confused the exact same way when it looked like – a candlelight vigil for somebody who had sadly just passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go throughout the episode talking about how he's okay. So uh, I don't know. It was a, a little con- like hard for my brain to work around exactly the de- details of it all. But I, I believe that he did not pass. Yeah. He's, um, he is still alive. I mean, we, we're, I mean, we're talking about it already, so we might as well. Like, like you said, they're going to go back to the apartment later on for their Monday potluck dinner. Mercedes finds the flyer on the table. If you can even call it a flyer and asks who, who that is. Rachel says it was our uh, neighbor's friend that got beat up. He's uh, lucky to be alive. And Kurt says, well, that's a really nice way of saying gay bashed. Um, and Blaine's going to talk about how, yeah, it was these guys who just jumped out of a pickup trunk and just decided to beat him up. After all these, after all this time, like you would think that with like hate crimes decreasing in America, the occurrences in New York are actually increasing and they don't, and they just don't understand why. And my Blaine says, well, you know, people are still hateful out there. They they see us succeeding. They see us on TV. They see us getting jobs um, like anybody else. They see us living in, quote unquote, straight neighborhoods. So they just, they hate that. And so they feel like they need to intimidate us. And that's what they did today. Um, so just really, really shitty. Kurt's going to want to change the subject and says that the Niata Midwinter critiques are coming up. And Madame Thibodeau has tightened her turban and given them the ultimate challenge, which is Sondheim. Meanwhile, Sam and Mercedes are playing footsies under the table, which Artie is going to find out and question them about. Everybody's going to stop and be like, what the hell's going on? And Mercedes is like, no, I just forgot, took my iron pills. I got that restless leg syndrome. But yeah, Monday potluck dinners are still a thing and gay mm-hmm. bashing is still a thing. Yes, but uh, I wanted to go back a little bit to that opening number. I didn't get a chance to say anything about it. It's uh, No One Is Alone is a uh, a really strong opening here in this episode. Um, the Rachel and Kurt duets are always probably Kurt's best uh, duets. I think that's his best duet partner, uh, matching it up with Rachel. Like they have obviously such a good uh, chemistry together when they when they sing. Um, and this song, like you said, it's just it's such a good good uh, powerful song. Like the the lyrics, the everything about it. It's just really good. So, uh, yeah, the the way that they kick this off and they slowly, you know, kind of lead us in and we're not sure what's going on. We're not sure what, you know, exactly happened. But it I don't know, it kind of felt like it, it didn't, you know, matter specifically what happened. It was just like you could tell the vibe of what was going on with all yeah. these people gathering. And I thought it was just really, uh, really nice and touching for. Uh, for See, yeah, that's another reason. That. Sorry to interrupt. That was just kind of the reason why I was like, this guy must have passed because this song is sung after. Mm hmm you know, some characters pass. So they just really, you know, like you said, you just get that vibe off the top of right. the episode. 
Yeah, anytime you see it, like like we said, anytime you see a candlelight vigil, it's like that's what you're going to assume. So it was a little, uh, like I said, a little hard to wrap your head around like the details of it all. But yeah, uh, you know, back of the apartment, glad they've made it to week two of the potluck dinner uh, thing that they have going on because they obviously, uh, I, I think a lot of them probably thought maybe it wasn't going to last forever. They're also busy. I mean, Rachel is uh, out at rehearsals in the uh, Here's What You Missed on Glee. They uh, He made a, a joke. He's like, and they've been rehearsing forever. Like, when is this show going to open? Uh, so they're obviously busy. We're getting into tech week. And uh, it's just uh, a lot going on there. Everybody's starting off at school. Everybody's all over the place. But uh, these friends are still going to come together and, you know, be all BFFs back at the loft. So love to see it, I guess. <laughs> Do Broadway shows usually open in the fall or winter? I feel like Broadway shows open up in spring. I mean, I could just be, I could be pulling it out of my hat. Who knows? It does seem like she's been in a rehearsal for a very long time. But then again, not really, because she got the part in the spring. So it's only been like, what, at, at most half a year. So that kind of seems kind of fast now that I think about it. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Oh, well. Speaking of Funny Girl... The producer is going to be sitting down with the cast and the rest of the crew and everything and starts talking about how you look, look, it's getting down to the wire. I've been in this business for a very long time. I produce a lot of shows. Now, the next two weeks, tech and previews, that's when companies come together or they fall apart. Now, people, I need a hit. Um, and he's going to look directly at Rachel when he says this. Like, I need a hit, a real, real hit. I want you to focus. I want you to rest. And I want you to be the absolute best. Um, that you can be. Everyone's getting all pumped up, and Rachel needs to speak with him before uh, he leaves. And she's basically going to ask him, like, I have like a bit of a scheduling conflict. It's just two hours. I have a midwinter critique at Niata. I really just, it's really important for my grade. I would like to continue my studies while I'm in the production. Um, and they've been so good with me about being here. I just want to return the favor and make sure that I am there for them when they need me. And Sydney, the producer's like, look, Rachel, you're killing me. Like, come on, like, I think you might be overextending yourself. She's like, nope, I've been working at the diner. I've been at school. I've been here and I've never given you less than 150%. And so Sydney's like, okay, you know what? Fine, just this once. Um, and Rachel's like, okay, thank you so much. You're not gonna regret it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Rachel is spreading herself very thin uh, while she's doing all of this. I mean, uh, props to her if she really is, you know, kind of getting all this done. We'll see how throughout the episode, uh, how she actually is doing with all of this. But yeah, I mean, rehearsing for a Broadway debut of, of the revival of Funny Girl and, you know, Besides that, you know, she's at school. She's got how many classes? Kurt's in 10 classes. I don't know how many Rachel's in. Uh, she's working at the diner. She just has way too much going on. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is maybe this is normal. And maybe people usually have like every second of their day booked up from the second they wake up until, you know, she, ha she has that like hour long ritual when she gets ready in the morning. I don't know how she still has time for that here in New York when she has to uh, do so much in her day. I don't know. She's got a lot going on. Uh, it's If anybody can do it, you, you know, you have to imagine that it's Rachel Berry and that's what She's like, you know, the confidence she's exuding over to Sydney being like, I can do it. I have been. Uh, I've been doing all my things for you. I've been doing everything for them. But come on, you got to give me something. I got to I just got to get this stupid thing with my grade done at Niata. And then uh, and then that's it. So, you know, she uh, she gets her way like always. But, you know, nothing mm -hmm. not to sound so snarky about it. You know, it's a, a worthwhile cause this time to go do something at school. I just feel like if you're in like if Niata is all about like kids being able to you know, take opportunities while they're in the city. Why wouldn't you just take a leave of absence? You can always go back to school once you're done with Funny Girl. 
like that doesn't sound like a bad idea mm-hmm. but okay okay rachel you need to be the i mean she's always been like this i mean we, the, from the moment we met her in season one she talks about being in all these damn clubs even the black student right. union <laughs> because right, of her right, black right. dad so this has been her forever yeah girl keeps busy over at Mercedes and Sam's, and I guess now Blaine's apartment, Sam is up late eating Lucky Charms, watching some television show, and uh, Mercedes is going to come downstairs and ask him to turn it down, and asks, what are you watching anyway? And he says that it's some show about some redhead lady that starts selling weed or some shit. I was confused. I don't know. Uh, but Mercedes is like, well, that sounds kind of interesting. Let's, uh, can I, you mind if I watch it with you? And he's like, not at all. Uh, so she comes, takes off her slippers, sits down next to him, and Sam explains that he usually needs help falling asleep because um, Blaine is usually there to read him some Star Wars fan fiction. We're going to get like a bit of a uh, some George Lucas shade because we're going to get a cutaway of them, of Blaine reading to him, and he's like, this sucks. Who wrote this? And he's like, George Lucas who actually wrote this. But yeah, Sam is kind of going to get right down to brass tacks here. He's going to be like, you never really explained why you broke up with me and uh mercedes is like well yeah i did and sam once again do we have to do this right now like i told you we just we just need to be friends i told you back then that i didn't know who i was and i um, until i figured that out we just couldn't be together and let's be real you dated quinn santana Brittany, almost rachel the school nurse like it wasn't she like 30 um and there's been a rumor about that you like making out with tina <laughs> like sam has kissed everybody Sam is surprised to hear that Penny was almost 30 when she wasn't. She was fucking 19, um, but it would explain why she got so clingy. But he's like, look, we've always had so much chemistry. I don't know what we're supposed to do with all that now. We're living under the same roof. Like, it's just, what do you want us to do? And Mercedes is like, okay, it's not up for discussion. Um, You asked me and I answered it. I just want to watch the lesbian show about weed and go back to bed. (laughs) And Sam is like, all right, well, fine. And so he takes the covers away. Um, Maybe three or four seconds go by before they say making out again. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I sent you a picture. I, I think I sent it to our group um, a couple of weeks back of a tweet that I saw that said uh, it was a picture of the New Directions girls <laughs> from season one with the uh, Halo walking on sunshine mashup. So all six of them, Quinn, Brittany, Rachel, Santana, um, Tina and Mercedes, of course. And it was like Sam Evans has kissed, made out with or been in some kind of something with every single girl in this picture. And for a second, it's like, wait, what? And yeah, no, that's true. Uh, that's absolutely true. And Mercedes is like, yeah, you do a lot. I can't do that. I'm not I'm not down with that. I have uh, I have stuff going on. I can't be, uh, you know, all over the place in the way you are. So, um, you know, She's not like giving him a hard time about what he's done. She's just like, that's not me. I, I can't do that. I'm not that kind of girl. Uh, but yeah, Sam is obviously still into her. We are going to get more of this referenced later in the episode about how weird their relationship was when it happened because it was going somewhere. But then at the end of season two, as the two of them are holding hands in the lima bean, uh, about to spend their summer together and looking at each other like, do you think they know? And then they, you know, then they hold hands. Uh, Nothing happens after that because we start season three and Sam is off, you know, being white chocolate back in uh, Kentucky or wherever he was. So we never really got resolution on how that relationship ended up until halfway through the season when Sam does come back. And then eventually we get that summer nights performance uh, for Sam and Mercedes with everybody else in the uh, new directions. And, you know, they're telling them about that magical summer that the two of them had together. 
But that was it. Uh, you know, we didn't really get much follow up. And, you know, there's other relationships that get more, get less uh, than them. But Sam Sadie's, I was uh, I was a big fan of at the time. So I was sad to see it go by the wayside. But I was very excited to see in season five uh, the potential for them to be back together because Sam had been kind of wandering all all, all over the path, uh, you know, with Brittany and with Nurse Penny. Like, like he, he had so little, uh, like, productive to do in the past two seasons uh, outside of, like, the Blaine and Tina content. But relationship-wise, he was, like lost. Uh, and Mercedes has obviously not really been in the picture for the past couple seasons. So I was more than happy to see them back together. Like this is a couple I can root for. Yeah, it was totally, well, it was unexpected the first time. And then it was totally unexpected the second time upon Mercedes. I mean, first of all, Mercedes showing up, um, in New York. And then all of a sudden, like we get right into it. And at the end of the last episode with Sam being like, okay, so what do we need about our chemistry? Like, it was just like right, right back. It's like without even missing a beat. Um, mm-hmm. And I just did not see this ever resurfacing ever again. So it was a pleasant surprise. And you do get to see a lot of their chemistry in this episode. They're going to go. I don't even know where this place is. It's someplace on the East River <laughs> with a merry-go-round. Do you know where this place is? I should have looked it up beforehand. Yes, it is. I forgot the name of it. Hold on. I have it. It is uh, June's Carousel. Uh, sorry, Jane. <laughs> Jane's Carousel, right? Not June. Um, it is by the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, I believe. I uh, have never been there myself. There are areas around here that I've been to many times, but um, I also had to look up the name of uh, this carousel because I was like, I truly don't think that I've ever seen it. Like, I, There's other uh, areas down by Battery Park that have like a similar kind of carousel, not the exact same thing. Ooh, I know Battery Park. Yeah, uh, that, that has uh, some cool stuff over there, but um, never been to uh, Jane's Carousel. Well, they are at Jane's Carousel, and, and it's pretty uh, new. It's uh, it's only been there for I think since 2011. Uh, wait, that's not true. It was restored in 2011, but it's currently closed, as is every other piece of entertainment, you know, around yeah. life. Shut that shit down. Um, but Sam is being persistent. He's like, "Come on, Sam, or come, <laughs> come on, Sam, come on, Mercedes. You know that I have feelings for you, and you obviously have feelings for me." We're in New York City. We're adults. We're not in high school anymore. We don't have to worry about what everybody else is going to think. Like, come on. Like, why are we, why are we, why are we, you know, denying ourselves the chemistry of it all? Um, And he's going to take some coins out of his pockets and be like, you know what? I am going to throw some of these into the East River um, and make a wish that you will open your eyes and see that we are perfect for each other. So he runs. Uh, with these coins and throws a bunch of them into the into the river for multiple wishes. Some lady is going to be like, uh, excuse me, you can't just throw things into the river. It's like, okay, Karen. <laughs> um, but Sam is like, look, Mercedes, like who else is going to tell you not to wear that fur? You know what I mean? Like it, it, it takes a dumb of, it takes a bunch of dumb animals to make a fur coat, but only takes one to wear one. Mercedes is like, Sam, it's a faux fur. It's not real. And he's like, well, that doesn't matter. Like, is that the kind of image that you want to sell? Like, aren't you supposed to be selling albums? Like, do you want people to, like, look at you and see you rocking faux fur? And that's, like, what the, that's that, that's the image you want to be associated with? And she's like, you know what? And she takes a leaf or a page out of his book and throws the fucking coat into the what river. What on earth? <laughs> That wasn't a penny. That wasn't a nickel. That wasn't a dime. That was a whole damn coat. <laughs> and then her dumbass is fucking cold afterwards. And so he has to yeah. give her his coat. Um, but she's ultimately going to be like, okay, look, Sam, like, this is just a lot to take in. So, you know, we can 
we can like do dinner later, but I just, you know, I just need some time alone right now. How about you go back to the apartment and I, I I'll meet you there. And Sam was like, do you, you sure? And he's, she's like, yeah, just go back. I'll, I'll meet you there. And then she's going to drop the coat that he, <laughs> he just gave her. Oh, and before he leaves, though, he she says, if we're going to do this, we have to do it my way. We have to take it slow. Like, you have to stay in the living room on the couch, and I stay in my bedroom. Um, would you be okay with that? And he says, for you, yeah. Yeah, like, why Why wouldn't she just take the coat and, like, you know, dangle it over the side of the of the <laughs> gate? Like, be like, oh, you really want me to get rid of it? Fine, I'll get rid of it. And then he would have been like, no, 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 don't throw it into the river. That's so dumb. Um, but no, she just chucks it into the river and uh, calls it a day. Um, I don't know. what it was. She Obviously, this turned into, like you said, the opportunity for Sam to give her the coat and, you know, be such a gentleman, which uh, was fine. I mean, he looked cold after that as well, but, like, he was in a nice shirt. I was like, show off your nice shirt. You look good today, Sam. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then the... The funny part about it all, uh, besides all of that, is that when she goes over to do this song, like you said, she just drops the jacket to the side. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you just burning every coat that comes across your path today? Yeah, I think that she's just infected by Sam's, like, crazy nature that she was just like, all right, well, fuck it. Because <laughs> she likes him. Do you think, here's a, here's a question. Um, do you think Sam smells good? Probably. I don't think I that. I can see it both ways. I think that Sam is... Yeah, he he has like this whole like cavalier vibe when it comes to life, but I think in terms of like image and stuff like that, he's like no, he's a. I think that he's like damn near borderline metrosexual because he's obsessed with like image and stuff like that and like looking good and all that. Uh-huh. Like he definitely has. I mean, he's still a guy at the end of the day. I'm I'm sure like he'll have his moments. I mean, we saw him like in like a bit of a depressed state on the couch right. every day. So, but I think that like, right. So that's I feel like they give him both the uh, the like the appearance of either he doesn't shower ever like i feel like you can kind of get that vibe every every so often from him and you can also get the vibe of like him in like that coat and like the nice shirt he was wearing and you're like oh no he probably smells really good yeah i think he goes both ways yeah i think he goes both ways he's ambidextrous with hygiene Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that's such a thing anyway no for sure (laughs) definitely a thing (laughs) um Mercedes is going to go into this performance of uh, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman with Jane's Carousel spinning around in the back. And then it all, it, all of a sudden becomes nighttime. And what do all you of think a sudden, yeah. That's what happens when you sing a song. It just, uh, you know, you can flip the day uh, from, from morning to night just by, uh, you know, putting the sun to sleep with uh, the sounds of your beautiful voice. But uh, she really does, of course, sound amazing. Uh, like, what, what, what is there even to say um, about a Mercedes cover of an Aretha Franklin song? She is always going to knock those out of the park, uh, the literal park here uh, that she's in. And yeah, I mean, the backup dancers just show up, and she's, uh, you know, got some backup dancers that are going up and down the carousel with her. Um, it was just, you know, obviously uh, we talked, we've talked before about how uh, some scenes are in New York, some scenes are, you know, going to be filmed where they. They usually are in LA. Obviously, this was part of a uh, you know we have to go to New York and film some stuff there. So they used the area that they could you know lock down for the day. And uh, if they had the carousel to themselves, of course they were going to use it as a setting. But I always just have this memory in my head of like this part of the, like this part of Glee season five. Um, there are like certain things that I associate it with in my mind. Like it's not like you can uh, you know you think of the loft, you think of uh, Mercedes's apartment, but for some reason I just have this carousel that I can't get out of my mind that she just decided to go sing. You make me feel uh, like a natural woman over on a carousel with uh, you know a bunch of backup dancers. For some reason that sticks with me. Yeah, I love this. Um, and the her backup singers are also in the scene. I didn't notice that until 
watching it closely this time around um, the ones that we're about to meet but yeah I, I agree I think that this number is just really really good I mean Mercedes numbers are always very good she sounds amazing Aretha Franklin would be proud I'm sure she was <laughs> and yeah she gets done singing the song and the and sun like, comes but, back but like, <laughs> sorry just like quickly like why does she have to send Sam all the way back to the apartment I get that she needed a minute to herself but like I don't know. I just can't imagine ever being with whether it's somebody that of like a romantic interest or like a friend and just being like, oh, you go back to uh, the place. I need a minute to myself. Like you can take a minute to yourself. Like, I don't know. Like it just it's, it felt so weird. And uh, I'm, I'm being totally nitpicky. But like if you need a minute to yourself, go back to the apartment and then like put your stuff down and then go for a walk or something. Just like leaving in the middle of the park and being like, go home. I was like, that's a move. <laughs> she just wanted to be alone. I know, but like that's what I'm saying. Like, go, go, be alone when you get back to the place. Like, you're gonna make him walk all the way back by himself, or take the subway back by himself, and then you're gonna travel home by yourself. Like, you guys were in the middle of a romantic little walk. He is a big boy. He can handle himself. Sure, sure he, he can. But like, you guys were hanging out. You were you were having a good time, and you're just gonna like cut him off and be like, "Go home. I'm taking your jacket with me." Yes, she wanted to be alone, and going home together isn't being alone. <laughs> She wanted to be a go- be alone to go sit on a carousel and uh, or sing on a carousel. Yeah, why not? Shit, she needed to be alone with her thoughts. With her thoughts. But anyway, the song was alone. great. Alone, I loved it. Alone, 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 alone. Anyway, um, later that night, we were gonna get a chance to meet Mercedes' uh, backup singers. One's name is Tesla, and the others is I forget the other one's name. Shanice. Shane. There it is. Shanice. They're talking. They're like, wait a second. So you are dating somebody that you dated in high school? Mercedes is like, well, we didn't date in high school. Not really. And like, Mercedes, we just got here. Like, and you've already given up on New York. Like, I just figured out what my subway stop is closest to my apartment. And you're like, now you're back to dating some guy that you know from Ohio. And Mercedes is like, look, I know that it sounds weird, but Sam is going to come right on up and say, no, this sounds weird. Clive, you were dating me all day to kiss your fat ass. That was my impression of uh, Chris Tucker doing uh, Kevin Hart or no Kevin Hart doing Chris Tucker. It's a work in progress. Um, mm-hmm. Shane Neeson Tesla are her. terrified. <laughs> Fully taken. Why would back. he ever come up behind them like that? That's uh, that's uh, that's his way to make an impression. Part of the pun. Why did you have to go with that? Impression? I I'm just curious. Oh. Uh, well like before we get deep into it like why is she not rooming with these two girls like obviously they came here together from LA like they just split up and went their own ways when it came to apartment hunting maybe maybe they just wanted to you know not have to bring work home all the time I can understand that I mean I guess it didn't it doesn't seem like there's much work going on seems like they're like good friends yeah I mean definitely oh yeah maybe opting to room with Sam and Blaine over uh, two people that, uh, like I said, seeming to uh, seem like they've been with you, hanging out, best friends, good friends, whatever. I don't know. Just uh, curious. No, it's definitely an option. Like, yeah. But I understand, like, not wanting to live with people that you work with. You know what I mean? Because it is work at the end of the day, even if they're friends. But, um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so Sam is uh, about to embarrass the hell out of himself. Uh, Mercedes introduces him. And once she introduces Tesla and Shanice... Sam is like, oh, what is it with hip-hop artists naming themselves after cars? And Tesla's like, is that a thing? Um, She's like, my parents, uh, they're Rob and Sherry. They named me after the inventor, Nikola Tesla. Um, So why don't you ask her? And Sam's like, oh, no, 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 no. She's named after her her mom's favorite actress, Mercedes Rule. And uh, Mercedes's like, oh, I forgot that I told you that. He's like, oh, it's still a trap, baby. 
But Mercedes is like, so Sam is in New York to be a model. And Sam is going to be like, yeah, that's right. It's pretty easy. Uh, they kind of just stand there and strike a pose. They ask you to strip down in your underwear. Not a big deal. But yeah, it's fine. I mean, uh, who doesn't want to be a model, right? I'm going to go get a chair. And so he goes inside because they're sitting outside under like the awning. It's raining out. He goes inside, grabs a chair from some random table, continues the conversation through the window, comes back around and, t- uh, and puts the chair down and sits backwards. And it's just a, it's just a lot. Yeah, Sam has had this energy for a while now, though. I mean, this started back in uh, him getting his uh, first modeling gig, age, uh, that that interview with Tyra Banks. Uh, so, you're black. That must be interesting. Uh, so, this is that same energy. Oh, God. He's like, I just got a haircut also, if anybody was wondering. Mercedes <laughs> is like, where is that waitress? He's like, you guys have beautiful <laughs> hair. What is it? Like, is it like, a, it's like a weave? Is it real or what? And then he touches it. He <laughs> touches it. Please, anybody out there, specifically people that are not black, please do not touch black people's hair. Black women in particular. They're not dogs. They're not animals. They're humans. And yes, I know that there are often very interesting things that happen with black women's hair. I get it. And you just want to touch it. Don't do it. Because while Tesla is very, 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 very serene, you might meet somebody that's not that way, okay? So unless you want to lose a hand, I would <laughs> highly suggest not touching anyone's hair for that matter. And Tesla's like, no, actually, um, both of us, you know, we have real hair. Yeah, Mercedes, too, in case you're ever wondering about her. Um, she's also not wearing a wig. And Sam was just sitting there like, awesome. And then he starts singing some weird-ass song. Uh, it's just so, uh. Have you Have you seen The Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> no, but I figured okay, well it was then. some it was some sort of reference. I didn't, but I didn't really need to know what it was from to know that it was awkward. <laughs> yeah, a very timely reference uh, here with this episode being in 2014 God. and the Wolf of Wall Street coming out very close to around there, and the uh, the beating on the chest. Uh, Sam, you know, I guess they uh, threw that in there for him to just kind of uh, you know get a couple people like, oh look, look, he's watched the movie. Um, but yeah, so Mercedes is beyond uh not a i mean she's she's embarrassed but like at first she like doesn't seem as embarrassed as you think she would be with the way that sam shows up like she's kind of like trying i think i think the thing is that she she's hoping that it's gonna end she's like hoping that it's just like him throwing in a line or two an impression or whatever making a silly comment and then he's gonna sit down and everything's gonna be just fine but then when it keeps going and it keeps going and then it elevates to that point where he's touching her hair uh and then she's just like i i I don't know what else to do here the waitress is not coming over i'm just gonna die right here in this spot right now like like there's nothing else to uh nothing else to do here (laughs) Where is that waitress indeed? It's just when, like, I just, I can't even imagine what the rest of the meal was like. And Sam knows that he's making an ass out of himself, but he did, once he digs himself in that hole, he doesn't know how to get out. It's just, ugh, it's just so, I cringe every time I watch this scene. It's just so bad. So, Mm -hmm. so, so bad. But I'm glad that Tesla was there to, like, put him in check because Mercedes wasn't going to do it because she was just too embarrassed. But good for you, Tesla. And she made it, like, she made it known, too. She was like... You're weird. You're fucking weird. <laughs> so, anyway, back at Niata, Broadway Baby starts. Rachel's on top of the piano. She opens it up, and Carmen Thibodeau. She's in the audience watching uh watching this midwinter critique, and she's like, "Okay, Rachel, like I took a chance on your ass last year, and since I've I've been uh you know 
I've been satisfied. Right up mm-hmm. until Blaine, who is sitting right behind her, gets up and joins in on the performance, and it becomes a duet. And then Carmen's face, oh my god. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg was giving me, like, pissed off black grandma. Like, I felt like I was about to get a whooping, a spanking, like, everything. <laughs> everything in between. But yeah, they finished this performance. This is really good. How do you feel about the, the, the song? Yeah, it was a good number. Um, my note, I said, and thus the Leah Michelle Darren Chris tour was born uh, from uh, yeah, from here much. going forward with the two of them. Yeah, the uh, good number here. Obviously, uh, you know their vo- uh, their voices sound uh, just as good together as Rachel and Kurt. Like this, 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 these pairings, Rachel and these uh, these guys, just works really well um, in a way that you know not all of the Rachel duets have over the years but like definitely with Kurt and Blaine for some reason both are really good matches um yeah the uh, the room is uh, alive they're all enjoying this performance everybody seems to be into it because it, I mean it is entertaining and they sound good uh but then we just keep cutting over to Carmen who's like not having it at all I'm like very happy to have uh, Miss Carmen Thibodeau back in the house back in the show um but yeah we're uh, we're getting the uh the not happy side of her which is uh I don't know probably probably the more entertaining side rather than the just like oh yes Rachel yes Kurt welcome to my school I love you all excellent performance what would have been had that been the assignment uh been a duet apparently you both feel that you are above this class and all that governs it Oh, no, 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 not at all, Madam Thibodeau. <clears throat> I just, I'm funking you both. Next. Wait, it was a good performance. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to give me what I asked for originally. I want you to do it as individuals. Reschedule this week. It's fine. Um, I'm sorry, Madam Thibodeau. I'm just, I'm in the middle of tech rehearsals for my show right now. Miss Barry, I've said everything I have to say to you. Either you do it this week or you fail. That's it. Next, please get off my stage. <laughs> so, your Carmen Thibodeau for like a half a second sounded like your sorting hat there at the beginning. Excuse you? How dare you? Excellent performance, Gryffindor. <laughs> no, I was giving her that New York drawl, not British. It's excellent performance, not performance. There's a difference. <laughs> uh, whatever, Rachel. You are so so dumb like what are you doing not dumb she would have like, been like she so... would have been i don't even understand why she did this what was the point right like you you like it's not like the assignment was confusing it was sing a song like I, we don't even have to know what the exact assignment it was like obviously from the way that carmen is reacting it was get up there and perform a number that at your of your choosing whatever it was like you have to perform for us just the same way that it was at the showcase or whatever uh there's said nothing in there about you know bring your friends and make it a duet or make it a group number like that wasn't part of the assignment so why is blaine here <laughs> jumping in on it like does he have his own doesn't he have his own project to prepare for were you guys just hoping that you would like do this together and get graded together. I don't know. It just seems like uh, a really weird move for somebody who seems to be on top of everything else to just come in here and, uh, you know, decide to do whatever she wanted with this assignment as if she owns the school. Yeah, just why? I mean, you already had to beg to get the time off of the show and you would have passed. Like she said, it was an excellent performance. The only reason that you're even getting another shot is because the performance was so good. So why couldn't you? And Rachel, you're such a show hog. I don't understand why you couldn't just do it alone. Like when you're trying to put Blaine on or something, Blaine is already in the fucking school. Like you don't have to, to, you know, throw him some bones here. It just was very strange. I mean, anything to move the plot forward or to make the plot more interesting. I mean, we needed something that was going to lead up into this next scene, but it just felt like a careless, careless mistake. Um, 
Maybe she felt like if there was if she did it with like maybe she was running late on figuring out what to do for her for her performance. So she felt like, oh, if I bring in another person that'll distract from me not being as prepared as I should have been. I don't know. It just but that seems like more work to coordinate two of you than one. I just I, it, ugh, whatever. Uh, she's gonna go over to Madame Thibodeau's office uh, the next day and ask if she has a moment. She says, if it's to reschedule your midwinter critique, then yes. Otherwise, no, I'm interviewing Matt Nichols at the 92nd Street Y at 5.30. I was like, okay, flex, sis. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rachel says, um, so I was just hoping that we could maybe reschedule for after my opening night. I thought I was very clear about that. It's either this week or you fail. I thought that the appeal of Niata was that we could explore other activities outside of the school. Yes, as long as you kept your studies up. But I've spoken to your professors and they say that you are underperforming egregiously. I'm sorry, who said that? All of them. I have to put up with every, I said, I have put up with every single thing that this school has thrown at me, including that lunatic Cassandra July. Miss Barry, you are barely scraping by and you have the nerve to come in here and ask for special treatment when you haven't earned it? I'm sorry, I don't understand why you're being so difficult. It is not just a critique. This is about you deciding, are you a part of this community? Do you want to get your degree? Do you care about the work? Or is it just about the spotlight? That's what you have to decide. Rachel says, I did decide. And I chose to do whatever it takes to make it to Broadway. And that's why I fought so hard to get into Niata, to help all of my dreams come true. And they have. I am in my dream show playing my dream part. And I'm not going to turn my back on that. I'm sorry. And, and, and uh, Carmen is like over. She's like, oh, come on, little girl. You are not the first supernova to come through here. You are talented. You have drive. What you don't have is foundation. You don't listen. You don't take direction. That's why you need Niata. You're not ready. Rachel says, you're wrong. You're wrong. And I'm going to prove it to you. Okay, I don't need Niata anymore, especially not if it's going to hold me back. Mm. Carmen says, think long and hard about what you're going to say next. Mm. Rachel says, I have, I quit. Damn, girl. What are you doing? Being a dumb doing? bitch. What are you doing? It's dumb bitch energy. Uh, Carmen is so pissed. Like, this girl came through, marching through, knocking on the I door, know. demanding a, you know, she messed up at her at her uh, her initial um, audition to, or whatever, to, uh, to get into the school. She completely choked. There was a whole episode about it. She was so persistent. She brought Tina Cohen Chang by her side to come in there and get her uh, that that second shot. Uh, Tina's like, you don't know how annoying Rachel Berry is. Like, you think you do, but you don't. I promise she's annoying, but that's because she's good. And Carmen was like, hmm, maybe you're right, Miss Cohen Chang. Uh, she gave her another chance. She came to that Nationals perform whatever performance. Saw how good Rachel was. I think it was Nationals. And uh, next thing you know, Rachel's at Niata at the School of Her Dreams, getting auditions for uh, big parts yes. like Fanny Bryce and all of this stuff is going so well. All thanks to Carmen Thibodeau. And now, when you messed up the assignment, you Rachel Berry messed up the assignment because you decided to just have Blaine come sing with you for whatever reason. Now, when Carmen says. Okay, I'm going to fail you. Actually, no. You know what? You know, uh, we've been through a lot. You know, uh, that was a good performance. I'll give you another chance. Rachel's like, fuck you. I quit. (laughs) It's such a mess. It is such a mess. Like, if I were Carmen Thibodeau, I wouldn't have, if, if I would have, I wouldn't even, even let her get that far. I'd be like, you're out. You're out. You're done. You're expelled. I'm I'm not done with this shit anymore. Like, you, you 
fall you stalked me around the Midwest just to get into this damn school, and then you're out here flagrantly shirking your your classes. I give you one more shot after I already had decided to fail you. Then you come sashaying into my office like you're like a fucking Meryl Streep asking about reschedule, reschedule, reschedule. Girl, ugh. She let almost all of your friends into the school. She lets Santana hang around the the ballet studio, even though she doesn't even go here. I mean, she was taking the class for like five minutes at nighttime. But like, uh, there are so many things here that Carmen could have been like, no, bye. I don't want anything to do with you or your friends. But every step of the way, she has been nothing but good to you. She has uh, appreciated the talent that you have. And uh, obviously, Niata has been there for Rachel in the sense of, like, you know, letting be fl- being flexible with letting her go to all of these auditions and stuff. I mean, that's the point of Niata, like you said, or like Rachel has said as well. Like, it's supposed to be so that people can, you know, flourish and do other things besides just school. And they have been doing that with her. Uh, there's, you know, you me- again, you messed up the assignment. This is all you on you. And she's giving you another chance. Uh, I understand like that Rachel doesn't want to have to go ask for permission to miss another rehearsal. It's probably not going to go well, but that's your fault. And I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it's just uh, like Rachel and her, you know, attitude here is just how are you going to come to Carmen Thibodeau with that? Like the one person that you probably should not be messing with in any way, because first of all, just show her some respect. It's Carmen Thibodeau. And you're going to come in here acting like a diva. It's a fucking mess. A mess. Like, Rachel's really just, like, going down the drain here. Like, it's just progressively getting worse with every episode. Like, how are we in the New York era and Rachel, of all people, is the one fucking up? Like, I mean, I guess it will only be her. Like, I this, guess- is, this is her time to shine. It's like... Uh, that's, you know, my issue in the last episode or one of my issues was just the fact that it was like Rachel and the four boys until Mercedes shows up. And I'm just like, you know, if, if it's going to be Rachel and I'm rooting against Rachel because of how she's acting, uh, for a majority of the episode, it's like, that's why I'm like, oh, come on. Where am I? You know, where, where's my, uh, rooting interest supposed to be then it's, uh, it's not here. So that's why I'm glad at least Mercedes is here. That makes this episode a lot better for me than the last one. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, Rachel is just still as Rachel as she always is. Yep. 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 Back at Mercedes' apartment, she's on the stoop with her uh, backup singers, and they're like, look, he's nice. He's really nice. Nobody's saying that he's not nice. His impressions were really good. His Bill Cosby impression, spot on. I mean, all of his impressions of the Cosby were spot on. Um, And I don't think a Tempest Bledsoe impression is easy. Uh, I'm surprised he found his toehold there. But, all right, Mercedes is like, okay, well, then what's the problem here? And Tesla says, Shanice, can we just stop skating around it and talk for real? Mercedes, you're black, and he's white, period. And girl, not, he's not just white. He's blonde. He's practically albino. You can see the veins in his temple. They're really laying it on thick here. If you date a white dude, you're going to alienate all the black women you want to buy your album. And you're going to piss off black men, too. The only people who will buy your record are albinos. And Mercedes says, well, maybe I don't care. Uh, they say, fine, maybe you don't, but you should. Mercedes is going to go back inside sam is ready to uh watch some facts of life with her but mercedes just wants to talk and she says you know what i I can't do this he says what do you mean she says i can't be with you i can't date you or be your girlfriend and sam was like was it dinner i'm sorry about dinner i know that it was a little bit awkward i just get so nervous i keep talking and i I, your backup probably your backup singers probably hate me don't they mercedes says no they don't hate you they like you just fine i'm just worried about what people are gonna think and Sam already knows what's going on. He says, okay, just let me ask you, um, are you only saying this because you're black and I'm white? And Mercedes says, I mean, think about it, Sam. How many black female artists do you see dating white dudes? Because I've been thinking about it all day and I can't think of one. 
And what white, what white folks don't understand is people pay attention to that kind of stuff. It's making a statement. And I'm not sure if that's a statement that I want to make. Not now. Um, and Sam is just flabbergasted. He's like, but what about Mr. Shoe? What about McKinley? What about Glee? Seasons one through three. Like, what about all that? And he's like, it didn't matter if you were gay, straight, black, white, Tina. It didn't matter. <laughs> um, but Mercedes is like, we're not in high school anymore. And we're not in Glee Club. This is the real world. And that's all we have. And the real, the real world has rules. And I'm sorry, Sam, I really am. But this is just the way it is. You and I are not a couple. And I think you should move out. And I was like, damn. Yeah. Uh, rough to be Sam here. Rough, uh, you know, to be delivered the news um, of what Mercedes is feeling. I, I don't know that I can really contribute much to what Mercedes is feeling. Um, where where did you land on watching all of this? So I appreciated the storyline. I think that I just wish, that, like like many things with Glee, sometimes you need more time with it. You need a bit more nuance because the way that it was written, it made it seem like, okay, so Tesla and Shanice, obviously they don't have a problem with Sam the person. Obviously, they like him. They were able, like, I guess, you know, I guess maybe dinner kind of did smooth over a little bit well after, you know, after the shit that we saw. Um, mm-hmm. So they like him just fine. But, yeah, I mean, there is there is an image problem when it comes to that sort of thing. I mean, this isn't that long ago. It's 2014 and things things are, I mean, we know how how fast culture can change over the next few years. But I think that there is a point to be made about black women dating white men. And vice versa, like, because there's such a stigmatization and there's such anti-blackness everywhere that whenever we see celebrities, black celebrities dating white people, there's always going to be those people that are like, like, why couldn't you just find someone? They, I mean, they already shit on us as it is. And it seems like you are playing for the other team if you go over to somebody that's white. Obviously, in a perfect world, no one would have to think that way, obviously. But there is like a bit of, you know, you want to see you want to see black people in love because we don't get to see that in Hollywood a lot of the time. There's always something that keeps them apart. It's always, you know, you get the the stereotype of like the deadbeat black dad or the the black mom that has a bunch of kids. Like you never just see like plain successful black love stories. Like even like the first black Disney princess, they couldn't even give her a black prince. It's like why can't we never just have black couples like why is that such a foreign concept so i think um i mean it's it's no secret that mercedes's primary audience is going to be mostly black not saying that white people won't enjoy her music as well i'm sure that they will white people like r&b too but she's going to have a large black fan base and she might get some side eyes if she's dating a white dude which is unfortunate and it's like it's a shitty situation to be in for mercedes because yes i mean she grew up I mean, let's be let's be real here. Like, I mean, she grew up around a bunch of white people. There really weren't a lot of black people at McKinley. So, of course, with her upbringing, she's going to be like she's not going to have as much of that baggage with her. But for other black women that probably have grown up around black people, it's like, why is she doing this? You know what I mean? So it's just some, it's just something that is going to give people pause to think about. And it sucks that it's happening right now in her career, especially when she's so young and so impressionable and scared of what the public is going to think. Because if this were like 30 year old Mercedes, she'd be like, fuck that. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, get out. Like people need to like move past that. But like, she's just not at that point in her journey. And so it's, it's kind of rough 
And Sam, Mm -hmm. who doesn't have to think about the shit on the regular because he's a white man, all he can see is like, this is this is stupid. This is like this is kind of racist. And it's like "Mm, it's a little bit more than that. You know what I mean? It's it's, there's more nuance Mm -hmm. to it than that. It's not that's just not it's just not racist and end of story. There's like more to the story here. Right. And I'm just glad that they, uh, you know, Mercedes has been for how many seasons of the show, one of very few, if not the only uh, main cast member on the show that is black. I mean, it's just, you know, she's not the uh, she's not had other like black women, especially around her uh, throughout the show to Mm -hmm. really confide in about like her own life and things, you know, Uh, but we joke about the whole park and bark thing all the time because that's like what her character is. Um, But it's more, it's more than that. It's, it's, you know, she can hit those powerful notes, but it's, it's more than just, you know, we put her at this one spot on the stage to belt out these numbers. Uh, It just, there's still so much more to Mercedes's story that she's not able to tell accurately when she's just surrounded by Kurt and Rachel and uh, Mercedes and, uh, and whoever else, you know, the people that are in the Glee Club. I think uh, the relationship that she has with Santana was so powerful, I think, at the time because it was two women of color that were like taking mm-hmm. charge on their own, running around Rachel to go do something else on their own and like show off the talent that they had. So that was good. But now here we are in season five. I think it's a really good thing that, you know, uh, we're getting a lot more of Mercedes' story since she's going to be now involved in the main action. And they gave her uh, two other, two new characters, two other black women to come like talk to her about like something real that is, uh, you know, a real something to talk about within Mercedes's life rather than just having her have that discussion with Kurt and her opening up to Kurt and being like so Kurt I feel like this because I think that people might think this and that um, like give more characters on the show that look like Mercedes for her to have these like to have mm-hmm. talks about with so I think that that was uh, good that they finally got that five seasons later yeah and I think like I said I think it's just important to stress just how young she is here and like yeah like when, when you don't when you when you aren't around a bunch of other black people a lot of the time um, and you don't get a chance to like grow up with people that look like you, you know, your, your whole worldview is going to shift when that is no longer the case. And she's very young and she's very impressionable and it's scary. You know, it's, it's, it's scary to push yourself out there. I mean, she's about to be a mega star. And so I don't know. I just, I mean, I, I feel for her here and obviously in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to have these conversations, but that's just not, that's just not realistic. That's just not the world that we live in. And so I'm um, like, I said, I think that, I think that the story probably deserved a bit more time um, and a bit more lead up to it, but you know, it's Glee and you know, they only have so much time. So it is what it is. But yeah, um, yeah. like you said, I'm, gl- I'm glad that there are some black women. Like there's lots of black women in this episode with speaking parts. Shanice, Tesla, Mercedes, Carmen. Mm-hmm. Look at all the black girl magic in the episode. Yes. It's like the, 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 uh, they're never going to have this again. So never. Uh, we'll take it in while we have it. <laughs> but yeah. All right. <laughs> I feel so bad that she's kicking him out though. But Sam made it very clear that he's attracted to her and like, he doesn't want to have to hide that. So I guess the the only recourse of action here is for him to move out. So. Oh, but now, but now I'm mad that there was no uh, Mercedes and Carmen Thibodeau scene ever. I know that she's not going to Niata, but like she could have stopped by or something and like, Maybe come with Rachel to that, uh, you know, just like been hanging out with Rachel that day and come to that uh, whatever. And maybe uh, she could have talked some sense into Rachel with Carmen there. I don't know. That would have been a good yeah, scene. Yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, well, they all go to the thingy at the end, right? Well, there's not really a scene between the two of them. Yeah, but there's not they're much in communication or anything like that. At least. Yeah. All right. Well, elsewhere in the city, uh, Rachel is meeting Kurt for dinner in some restaurant. She's like, I'm sorry I'm late. And Kurt's like, I know what you did. You're crazy. And uh, Rachel's like, oh, my God, really? Like, do I have to deal with this with you two? Like, I mean, Carmen is always already jumping down my, jumping down my throat, and now I have to deal with it from you two. Um, she's like, don't judge me. It was the right thing to do. 
He says, how can you say that? Two, year, two years ago, you would have done anything humanly possible to force your way into that school. But Rachel's like, well, that was before Funny Girl, okay? I understand, but an education from Niata will give you options in the future, okay? Broadway is a fickle business. What if this is the last role you ever get? Rachel, of course, is going to take offense to that. Last role? Really? Wow. You are worse than Carmen. Is that honestly what you think of me? Of course not, Rachel. I'm just saying you need to be smart about this. Okay, look, Kurt, I'm just not interested in spending huge sums of money on a school, acting as if you're paying for that shit, you know your dads are, whose classes I can barely even attend, and a dean who doesn't like me or support me. We can play the what-if game all day long, but the point is is that I have the opportunity of a lifetime staring me in the face right now, and I can't let anything, whether it's school or Carmen or the diner or, you know, even my friends, stop me from accomplishing my dreams. Curse like, okay, for the last time, I am begging you, please don't do this. Rachel says, you know, I am so hurt right now that you are standing in the corner with a failure like Carmen Thibodeau and not your best friend. I'm not on Carmen's side. I'm on your side. No, you're afraid, okay? You're afraid to venture out. You need a place like Niata where it's just one big safe group and no one takes any risks. That way you guys can just avoid the fact that you actually have to grow up and be an adult. Screw you, Rachel. Wow. Okay. Uh, Rachel's going to leave the apartment, or the apartment, the restaurant, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Kurt's going to pay the tab for whatever he got. Um, he's walking home, and then he sees two men beating up this guy in the alley. He comes in, runs in to, to, to stop them. Obviously, it's another gay bashing because we hear one of the thugs say, shut up, faggot. Um, Kurt jumps in, like, get off him. What's wrong with you? Uh, what decade are you from? And he's like, I'm not afraid of you. You're just a bunch of cowards. Um, they egg him on. They start tussling. One of them takes a brick, hits him in the back of the head with it. He falls, and they start punching him in the face. And then they get up and drive off. Oh, wow. What a lot to process in, like, a five-minute switch. Just going from, like, uh, like Sam and Mercedes over to uh, some some stuff. Man. Yeah. And uh, the worst part about it all is that, like, we get this scene of some, like, uh, of what just happened to Kurt there right after we have Rachel being just fucking awful. Like, like there's, oh man, I like, I like, I can't, I, I feel like uh, I have a hard time like expressing the anger that I have towards Rachel in that scene. Uh, Cause it's like, I don't know, for some reason it feels like even more than what we're used to with her. Uh, she like, I, I don't know. I just went off about her, you know, being awful to Carmen and, uh, and now she's out here calling Carmen a failure. Like, are you fucking kidding? me are you kidding me i think i'm setting a record for most times i curse in a podcast but uh she's pissing me off she's pissing me <laughs> off uh and and kurt is you know what what did kurt do to you like he is hitting you with like the way he feels would you much rather him go gossip around to everybody else about the way that he feels like this is what happens when friends fight it's like you could either confront your friend to their face and tell them what you're thinking or you know you go around the back avenues and talk about it to like other friends or something and then it gets back to them and then it's drama and then it's this and that and he's confronting you in an adult way by saying like I don't think this is a good decision for you to have done this this is my opinion like he's not like shaming I'm, I don't know he's, like he's not like you know laying into her or anything like that he's like genuinely like this is a very bad idea like what are you doing like Niata opens doors for you Broadway is like and he's not wrong about this stuff that Broadway is a tough business you know it could be great one day and then the next day you know you're you're back looking for a job or, or whatever it might be so 
You know, it's not like this is a, you know, you being in Funny Girl is like a guaranteed, you know, job for life or anything by any means. So go to Niata, you know, con- continue your education, get the degree that you were signed up for in the first place. You wanted to be there so bad. And and what's the problem with that? Like, why is this so hard to uh, to, to do? But, you know, she's made her decision. I mean, it's, it's one thing if Rachel has made a decision on her own that she doesn't want to continue with school. That's fine. Like, if she genuinely feels that way, like, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not uh, taking any issue with that. It's obviously the way that she goes about it by making it seem like Carmen is such a villain for this, for not letting her, you know, like, just pass with the grade that she had. And, you know, the way that she puts it on everybody else, uh, Kurt here as well, to be like, Screw you. You suck. Uh, Niata's for losers like you who uh, can't take any risk or or, like, shut up. She's so annoying. And then, yeah, we, of course, go into that scene of uh, seeing how things play out with Kurt as he gets uh, beat up pretty bad by a couple of guys in the alley. And it's just Mm -hmm. this guy uh, cannot catch a break in this episode. You know, things were uh, going a little rough for him in the last episode with Blaine. And now he's got to deal with Rachel and now he's getting beat up. Um, I mean, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about this as well when. Uh, we see the scene with Kurt and his dad later on, but um, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the way that Kurt runs down there to get involved. Um, you know, I guess that courage text from Blaine has really stuck with him all these years. And uh, he was feeling <laughs> mighty courageous in this moment to go run and involve himself. I mean, I think nine out of 10 people that at least I know uh, in my world would not be running down there to go get involved. I mean, you never want to see anything like that, but I mean, there's, there's ways to, you know, get that to stop that don't put you in physical harm. Like you don't know what those guys could have had on them that could have hurt you even worse than it did. Um, that's just, you know, I, I, I personally don't think that I would have had the courage to go run down there and get involved. Not, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I wish, wish he hadn't because of how it all ends up. But, uh, that's, that's Kurt. Apparently he's, uh, become this really, really courageous guy. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done either. Um, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but you see someone getting hurt, obviously you want to do something. And sometimes before you can really think about what's necessarily the smartest, you just want to think about stopping the pain that this person is enduring. Um, So I'm just glad that he did something, if anything. Just, yeah, Rachel, I mean, that's just not a good move, like academically, nor professionally. Like Carmen Thibodeau is huge. You're out here calling her a failure, but you were like, kissing her feet for two years and what makes you think that she doesn't talk she just said that she was interviewing mike nichols like why you think that she wouldn't like if someone asks about you to her you think that she's going to put a good good word in for you you think if like Mm -hmm. if you're in the running for some role or something and a Carmen's around and that person knows Carmen and they're like, let me call Carmen and see what she thinks about Rachel Berry. She's going to, oh, well, she's a fail. She's, she quit school and she, she came into my office all bossy and said, she doesn't need Niata. She's, she, she doesn't have any discipline. Like, I just don't understand where you, like that. Yeah, you're, you're damn right. Like this will be your last role on Broadway because I really have, I I have a feeling that Carmen has some pull around these streets. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, at all and then for you to like throw it in Kurt's face you have to imagine that the producers called up Carmen or somebody at Niata to like you know get additional recommendation for Rachel before this she got the part like they do their vetting they do a lot more work than just like hearing her sing like they want to know that this is a reliable trustworthy person I wouldn't be surprised if they right. even had uh, Will Schuster on the phone uh, I don't know they uh, you know they, they were definitely checking around and uh, you know that that recommendation is not going to be there anymore yeah it's um it's it's shitty She's very shitty, and it's. I feel like it's just so unlike her too. Like, 
I think that she's she's done she does a lot to like get ahead, but it never usually is to like spite herself. You know what I mean? Like it's never to her own detriment. She always usually mm-hmm. she always sacrifices. She throws somebody else under the bus, never herself. So this was just so she's such an overachiever. I'm like, how could you ever like do this to yourself? But yeah, no, I was um I I feel like I feel like um Rachel's kind of missing something these days now that we're starting this new era like she doesn't have anybody to ground her really i mean kurt is distracted with uh everything with blaine and you know obviously he does try here in this uh conversation but it doesn't really go very well uh considering how rachel reacts Uh, she doesn't have finn sadly anymore to kind of you know put keep her head on straight um santana's not around to like slap her back into you know uh reality she doesn't have will around to call her out on her bs even though she like doesn't often listen to him or anything like that but like i don't know there's just all these different different like ways that Rachel would get to this point of like being insufferable and then she would kind of by the end of the episode you know she would kind of go back down to being uh you know like being in check uh by somebody and it feels like a lot of those avenues uh that she had were are kind of not available at the moment so I don't know I guess it's just uh you know she and I'm, I'm fully not making excuses for her um I'm just you know I, I feel like that was the way that the writers often would help us not hate her by the end of the episode but like even when kurt is doing it here and she's reacting this way it's just impossible to be on her side in any way yeah oh rachel 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 what can you do what can you say sam is back at the bushwick apartment telling blaine everything that happened with mercedes and blaine is you know looking to cheer him up maybe some read some more uh, star wars fan fiction but he's gonna get a call from the hospital and then he's going to tell Sam. Sam was going to call Mercedes. Mercedes is going to call Artie. Artie and somebody, I guess Artie calls Rachel or someone calls Rachel. I don't know who calls Rachel. Um, but they all come to the hospital. Rachel got there first. They wouldn't let her in because she's not family. But a doctor does come out um, to speak with Blaine about what's going on. And that, you know, he's he's going to be fine. He has a hairline fracture above his right eye socket. Some other cuts and some bruising. He's alive and he will be okay. He's sleeping now. But you can come and see him. So I'm like, okay, I guess I guess you can see him now, even though none of you are family. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they all they all go in. Sam was like speaking over him, saying like, "Hello, Kurt, Kurt." <laughs> Mercedes like, "Leave him be." Uh, of course, Rachel's classic. I just feel so responsible. I mean, we got into this big fight, and I left them all alone. Um, Off. But I mean, he would have done that. He was going to do it whether or not uh, Rachel was there, so it was fine. Um, but we are going to get this acapella performance of what's the name of the song it's gonna harm you not while i'm around not while i'm around there it is um i guess this is also his do-over for his midwinter critique because we get to see him performing at niata but he's a freshman so would he be doing the same shit that kurt and rachel have to do yeah i think everybody gets a uh um it's just like a midterm or final or whatever it is for uh for what they're up to in the class but yeah, I, I hate a hospital scene. Um, not hate it, but like they, they, uh, they're tough to watch sometimes, you know, it's, it's good to go into it knowing from the doctor that, you know, Kurt's okay, that he has, you know, he's got this and that, but, um, he is alive. I mean, I, I don't even remember at the time if I saw that scene and was like thinking that he could be like anything worse. Um, I didn't, I, I don't think I ever would have imagined that they were going to kill Kurt off or anything like mm-hmm. that. I, that would have been crazy, but, um, they, 
you know, it's it's obviously we saw that he took a pretty terrible beating, and uh, you know the fact that he's at the hospital tells you enough that he you know is uh, not doing great. But it's uh, nice to see all of the all of the friends show up and you know be there for him right away. They all dropped what they were doing. Um, not that everybody was doing much, but I mean Artie and Mercedes, whatever. They all seemed mm-hmm. uh, to rush right over there, and uh, that was nice. And then yeah, this uh, Blaine performance, our uh, third to the series of Darren Chris doing a live performance here of uh, not while I'm around. And then, yeah, it uh, ends up being his Niata redo performance because unlike some people, uh, he's going to, you know, graciously accept the invitation from Carmen to redo the performance and actually get, you know, graded on it uh, this time rather than, you know, just being told he's automatically failing what, uh, you know, the original attempt was so yeah but um uh, a good performance from blaine the uh the cd or not the cd the uh the itunes version of this is uh got more voices on it i think rachel mercedes and uh sam and Artie. i don't know if it's all of them but uh definitely i know that rachel and mercedes are on there uh with this uh the full version of this song oh they are i didn't know that i don't think yeah. i've ever listened to the full version of this interesting we'll have to check that yeah out. yep they just let uh darren chris do it all by himself though in the episode all right well he is in good hands. Uh, I guess the rest of them go home and uh, Blaine stays with him overnight at the hospital. Mercedes is going to call Sam over to the studio where she's recording her album. They hug. She thanks him for coming. And Sam was like, oh, so this is it. She's like, yep, Aretha, Franklin, Ray Charles, Coltrane, Shaka Khan, Thelonious Monk. They all recorded here. And Sam goes, yeah, now Mercedes Jones. Uh, Mercedes said, look, I've been thinking a lot about the conversation that we had. You had some good points. Sam says, well, I did too. I can't pretend that dating a white guy is not something that people aren't going to notice. But then it occurred to me that it's so messed up that I even took that into consideration, which I had a problem with. I didn't like that line because I don't think that it's messed up. I think that the pressure that she's feeling, that is something to think about because mm-hmm. Tesla and she needs one wrong in that sense. Like there is like that's look, but <laughs> just being real, like that is something to think about. So it's not entirely messed up that it's brought up. Um Especially when we know that that's not really what's in Mercedes's heart. Like, I mean, they were dating before. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not really about that. It's more about what everybody else is thinking. But she says, uh, me not dating someone because they're white is like me telling someone I can't be their friend because they're gay. Um, Sam says, I'm not gay. She's like, I know you're not gay, Sam. I don't really have much to say. I just kind of wanted to sing about the way that I feel. Um, so she's going to go into the studio and she just wants him to stay or he is, and listen to her sing this beautiful ballad called Colorblind. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Sam uh, telling that guy, he's like, oh, hey, hey, dude, nice to meet you. You can call me White Chocolate. Um, oh, God. And then, and then Mercedes goes in. And uh, an Amber Riley original. I don't think she wrote the song, but uh, this is Amber no. Riley's debut song, uh, debut single back in 2014. You know, of course, a lot of these kids were, uh, you know, pursuing musical careers in one way or another outside of the show you know the i don't know when the first leah michelle christmas album was a thing i don't think that was till later years but obviously um you know the show was so big and all of them were becoming you know uh, their their voices were requested uh, all around the world uh, mercedes jones is going to cover an amber riley song which is fun and the same way that will schuster did a uh, matthew morrison song a couple seasons back oh man this song is so damn good like i will find myself with this song in my head at the most random times it's one of those songs that i know this song is going to be in my head for the next 
three weeks, even if we do a bunch of other recaps between now and then. For some reason, like Don't Speak was in my head after we did uh, season four, episode four, uh, the breakup. I had that one stuck in my head. I couldn't get it out. And now I, I just know that Colorblind is going to be that for me. Once it's in there, it does not come out for a while. Um, it is just such a good performance, such a such a good song. Like for this to be her debut single, which I don't remember it being at the time. I guess I just wasn't following Amber's career as closely as I uh, could have been or should have been. Um, but I'm glad that the song made its way to Glee because um, it's just so good. It's so good. Yeah, it was supposed to be her debut single for her album. She began working on the album in 2013, um, but then we didn't really hear much else after this. So I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, it, it feels like the only person that really had success with an album was fucking Leah. But uh, Naya, her shit kind of like went haywire and Amber's stuff kind of stalled. I mean, she was kind of busy at the time, too. I mean, she was filming Glee. She was on Dancing with the Stars, trying to record an album. Like, she was very, very busy. But I was glad that they put some, some Amber in this episode because it was, yeah, this song is, I mean, just beautifully written. And she sounds amazing on it. It's written for her. It's written for everything that her voice can do mm-hmm. um, besides like besides like a, a solid belt at the end, which, you know, she's done many of those in uh, New Directions numbers. So we don't need to have that here. Um, but it's like the, just the softer side of her voice and just showing every single uh, run that she can do. It's just so, mm-hmm. so good. And like I said, it will not leave my head for a while. I am mm-hmm. uh, confident about that. Yeah, it's beautiful. I am. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I. Uh, I, I mean, obviously she cares very deeply about Sam, and I'm a, I'm a Sam Sadie's fan. I like the two of them together. Like I said, I just, I, I understand what she is going through and what she has to ask herself. Like, it's, it's a lot. It's really not, I mean, it is a black and white situation, but it's not a black and white situation. So mm-hmm. I don't. Like, I, I wasn't really comfortable with some of the lines that she had, like I said before. Like, I mean, just saying, I mean, equating interracial dating to, like, not being friends with somebody because they're gay. It's just, it's just they're two separate things. And it's not, it's not like, sometimes, like, being pro-black does not mean you're anti-white. It just means that you would like to have example. you would like to set examples of healthy black relationships because the media will tell you everything to the contrary. So it's nice to just have someone that is like, you know, and and on top of that, a lot of black people have issues dating white people because they don't want to have to explain everything over and over and over again, because there are a lot of differences between, you know, between experiences in life. And I mean, sometimes you do have those people that are of other races that are very empathetic, very sympathetic do their research, you know, know what's good to say and what's not good to say, you know, you know, all they, they, they do the best to re, uh, to educate themselves about all the ins and outs of that kind of thing. But then that's not always the case. And I totally understand not wanting to put in the emotional and mental labor of having to explain yourself and explain why that was offensive or explain why you shouldn't have done that. Like, who wants to do that? I mean, you could just date somebody that is like you that shares those same struggles and same experiences and you have you already have that strong bond so i just wish that they had talked a little bit more about that and not so much about the music side of it and the public image side of it because that's something to think about as well but i think that there was a deeper conversation to be had there between i mean because they literally had sam show his ass at that dinner he was touching their hair and shit you know what i mean like that is that kind of mm-hmm. shit that's like it's like do, y- do i even want to bother it's like I, I love you sam but like I just don't know if I want to, I don't want to be your fucking teacher. Cause that's not, that's right. not, a, that's not a relationship. You know what I mean? So yeah, but I think that the song is beautiful and everything that you just said, I echo it's, 
Mm-hmm. I love this song so much. Yeah, and you see it in like Sam's face. Uh, Sam's Sam's face is my face, and uh, the audience while just watching her. I wish Sam's face was my face, but no. Um, just w- <laughs> as he's watching her perform the song, and he's just so captivated. He's like, "Damn!" Like I I knew she was good, but you know, every once in a while you get that reminder, and uh, you're just like you, you fall back in love with her. Maybe uh, maybe not everybody's falling back in love with Mercedes in the romantic way that Sam is, but uh, at least at least with the voice and with everything else, I just uh, I. I loved all everything about this. Mm-hmm. Over at the hospital, we're gonna see Bert climbing to check on his son while his son is just wasting away in the hospital bed. Kurt, what were you thinking? <laughs> I'm like, damn. It's like, hi, Dad. Nice to see you too. He's <laughs> like, I mean, I know what you were thinking, but who do you think you are? Die Hard or Charles Bronson or something? Those guys could have had a gun. And uh, Kurt says, well, what, what would you have done? Just run like they tell us? I played football, Kurt. Well, so did I. As a kicker. That's the same attitude that makes those guys think that they can do whatever they want. Oh, come on. You could have called the cops. You could have gotten help. Now, look, I'm proud of what you did. But come on, man. Use your head. You realize how lucky you are? And what, and, and what are you saying about the other gay kid that, that you saved that, that night? Saying he isn't brave? He's not as strong as you? Kurt says, I don't know what that guy's story is. I only know what mine is. And I've been fighting these guys for a really long time. Bert gets a little a little affronted here. He's like, I've been fighting too, okay? I don't know, man. It's just, I just can't believe this happened here. It, this is New York City. We're not in Kansas. Am I an, an, an idiot because I thought that you'd be safe here? Safer? I mean, just look at your beautiful face. I was like, oh, Bert. <laughs> um, and Kurt says, I'm not upset about it, actually. I'm kind of hoping for a scar. Is that weird? Yes, it's weird. <laughs> I hurt, just not on the inside. You know what? Now I know who I am, without a doubt. You know who that is? Your son, the man that you raised. Bert says, I'm glad you're okay. Just don't do it again, unless I'm right next to you. We'll take him together. And later on, once they leave the hospital, Blaine and Kurt are going to go and place some more flowers down next to the, um, the little uh, shrine for the kid that got beat up earlier in the week. But I love this scene so much. Yeah, they they say that they heard the boy woke up and he is going to be okay. So, I do believe that uh, we have confirmation this boy is uh, is is still with us. Mm-hmm. You know, thankfully. So uh, that's that's good. Um, and yeah, uh, always love a good Bert and Kurt scene. Glad that we got Bert to come out to New York for. Um, you know, wish it was under better better circumstances. That's for sure. I'm sure he didn't appreciate the call that his son willingly, you know, got into a uh, physical altercation that put him in the hospital. That's why he comes in here all hot. Like, are you kidding me? What is wrong with you? This is not you. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, he knows his son. He knows what his son stands for, and you know, he knows how important it is to to him to stand up for what's right and all that kind of stuff. So you know, he's he wants to come down on him for. What just happened? But, you know, he's having a hard time. I think once Kurt starts talking and, you know, starts telling it from his perspective, he's like, fuck, come on, Ugh, this kid. I, I raised him so well. I raised him too well because uh, all he is, is is such a good person. And he's like, you know, making sure that everybody out there is, uh, you know, living their best life without fear of hatred and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, not being able to be their authentic selves. And, you know, that's what Kurt is, is saying to him. He's like, I, I know who I am without without a doubt. I'm your son, the man you raised. And Bert's like, damn, I guess I did this to myself. So, uh, yeah, uh, nice to see the two of them together. Nice to see Kurt get out of the hospital rather quickly it seems and you know go over to that uh go over to the uh to that 
memorial that was set up and you know mm-hmm. glad to see he's okay both of yeah. them both kurt and and the boy yeah um like i said i don't know if i would have had the courage to do the same thing like you said <clears throat> excuse me but i'm glad that he did <clears throat> because now he he does know sort of like i mean he knew who he was beforehand but for you to like go to that length to uh, help somebody else out that's experiencing the same bullshit that you're going through i think it's just really 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 brave and it's like mm-hmm. this notion of Blaine being the alpha gay is challenged. <laughs> Not that I give too much of a damn about those stereotypes anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I'm treading in risky waters, so let me just stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> uh, um, like they're about to have a different kind of night. Those <laughs> so back at the uh, Bushwick apartment, Rachel asks if she can... Uh, come into his room and Kurt says, you know, just because you said you were going to drop out of the audit doesn't mean that you have to go through with it. And Rachel says, I've made my decision. Okay. College just, it just isn't for me because it's too safe because it's for people like me who never take any risks. And Rachel says, I'm sorry. I should have never said that. And Kurt says, it's okay. We've had worse arguments than that. Rachel says, Kurt, look, I'll, I'll say it to the day I die. You're the most talented person that I've ever met. And you've taken more risks in your life than I ever have or ever will. And I don't want another minute to go by without telling you that I love you and you're my best friend. And I'm just glad that you're okay. Kurt says, God, you're sappy, but you're my best friend too. And you know I love you. So they hug. Artie, Sam, Mercedes, um, and Blaine all come back for potluck dinner. So they all sit down. Sam says, Mercedes and I have an announcement. Drum roll, please. Mercedes says, well, Sam and I, we are officially dating again. Wait, were you guys ever really dating? Uh, Mercedes says, mm, not really. Sam says, yes. Yeah, your relationship has always been kind of weird. And Sam says, okay, that's racist. Uh, Blaine says, no, they're right. Because you guys had that summer fling, then you moved away, then you came back, and then you dated for a few more weeks. But, I mean, I don't think any of us ever saw any chemistry. Shut uh, up, writers. <laughs> Stop being so cute. Sam says, okay, how's this for chemistry? <laughs> It just, like, fucking bl- plants went on her. Oh, by the way, Rachel kind of looks a little uncomfortable during this entire exchange. I guess maybe some of her feelings for Sam were lingering just a bit. Um, Possibly, she, yeah. She doesn't look a little... She doesn't look very happy. Um, well, other people are happy, and her life is falling apart, so... <laughs> yeah, true. It's not about her, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but Rachel says, I have an announcement as well. Artie's like, we know, Funny Girl starts in two weeks. Well, Sam says it, actually. Um, he's been tweeting about it every day. She's like, yes... But no. Uh, so Kurt is singing tomorrow in Iata for his mid- midwinter critique, and it's really important for his grade. And although I won't be attending the school anymore, I will be there in support and to also witness what will undoubtedly be an amazing performance. So I really hope that you guys can be there and enjoy me. Uh, but Mercedes is like, well, I don't know about the rest of these fools, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. And they all make a cheers to Kurt. And we are going to get uh, Kurt at his midwinter critique with Bert being there, Carmen's there, all of his friends are there. Um, and he is singing I'm Still Here from Follies and absolutely kills it. Yes, he does. Uh, indeed, Kurt and uh, Kurt gets like we uh, say, everyone, you know, he gets some solos that uh, really highlight his voice in a fantastic way. And he sounds good. He you know, his face doesn't look great in this performance, of course, because he's still got those cuts. But that that's kind of what makes this performance so extra like powerful because he, you know, just went through all of that. He still has the scars to prove it, which he kind of wanted, as he said. Um, and then he goes out there and he shows I'm still here. I'm still doing it. I'm still 
Uh, you know, nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to get in my way. He looks good up there. Um, I don't know. It was a, it was a good Kurt outfit uh, for the day. So he looked good. And it was nice to see everybody there supporting him. Everybody, including his dad, um, were all there to watch him kill it with this final number. So, yes, it was mm-hmm. nice. Uh, you know, a typical uh, ending of an episode to see everybody making up, of course, back at the uh, loft and, you know, just running through the events of what happened in that episode. But glad to see Kurt end up uh, on top in many ways. I love ways. that Bert knows the song and he was mouthing the lyrics <laughs> along with Kurt. I thought that was just so cute. <laughs> yeah, you see uh, uh, Mercedes and Sam holding hands in there. I'm like, oh, look at everybody. He's so happy, except for Rachel. Rachel's probably, uh, you know, happy for Kurt, but, you know, seething inside about her uh, recent whatever's whatever. I think now that I'm, look, I'm looking at the scene right now, uh, Artie's not there. What the fuck? You sure? I'm pretty sure. Bert and Bert and Blaine are. Oh wait, is that him behind the piano? Wait, hold on. <laughs> I mean, Bert and Blaine are sitting together, and then look, look down. <laughs> Rachel, Sam, and no, that's not him. That's just another kid with glasses. No, he's not there. You sure? Okay, um, I'll take your word for it. I don't know. It's really strange. Very I don't strange. know. Uh, Rachel's like it would mean a lot to Kurt if you would all come to this performance and Artie's like fuck that I gotta go yeah. with Kitty fuck that shit I have a deadline for my film yeah cause they all do like a big group hug at the end yeah Artie's not there <laughs> that's fucked up he didn't even come he just got gay bashed mm. he couldn't even come to this performance wow fake ass friend <laughs> but anyway that's gonna wrap up the recap of this episode and now on to everyone's favorite part which song time song is your favorite no one is alone. Blaine, Kurt, and Rachel. You make... Oh, this is... A, I guess this isn't Sondheim, but... <laughs> you make me feel like a natural woman. Mercedes with Shanice and Tesla. Broadway, baby! Blaine and Rachel. Not while I'm around. Blaine. But you said that there's also other people, but for the purposes of the episode, Blaine. Yep. Colorblind! Mm-hmm. Mercedes. I'm still here. Kurt. I think for me, it's gotta be colorblind. Sort of like no contest here. There are some really other good tracks in this episode. I love You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. I love No One Is Alone. I love Broadway Baby. But uh, I think that Colorblind is is the star song of this episode. Yep. think y'all know I agree with that as well, uh, with everything I was just saying. It's uh, a lock for me, counted. Uh, it's uh, Colorblind. It's not even close. There's a, I do agree, a lot of good, a lot of other good numbers. No One Is Alone probably would be uh, my runner up there, but Broadway Baby is fun. You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Mercedes kills it on that one. And uh, yeah, they're all pretty good, but Colorblind is in a league of its own to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, slushy ratings. Mm. I'm going to give this one slushy because I love this, the, the subject material this episode. I, I, the, the whole thing with uh, Rachel and Niata is just really crazy and it kind of chops my hide that you would do some shit like that. I guess it's more of a character flaw than it is a... Well, no, because I feel like that just Rachel wouldn't do that. So it's just kind of weird to me. And also, like I said about the whole thing with Sam and Mercedes, I just wish that they would have delved a little deeper because I felt like it came off as a little bit of too much just like... Like, I feel like the happy ending that they got wasn't warranted based off of the conversations that took place. It's like, oh, we can't date because you're white. Actually, never mind. We're dating. I don't, I just, it just didn't feel very real to me. Um, So I have a problem with that mostly. But this music of this episode is really good. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and give it one slushy. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, I will mimic you yet again. Um, I'm also going to give it one slushy. I, uh, I did like this episode better than the last one, which uh, reflects in me giving it one less slushy. Um, I just I really enjoy having Mercedes added to this group. It really brings in a yep. whole lot more room for us to go around and, you know, just not like I don't know. I just I was having a hard time like specifically wanting to focus on those five characters in the last episode. Um, but adding Mercedes into the mix, it gives Sam something to do and it kind of just balances things out really well. Um, the episode, the, uh, the things that they tackle in this episode, both with Kurt and then with, uh, Sam and Mercedes, I thought were really worthwhile, uh, to, to bring into the show, you know, especially like I said, now that they're all older and they're all kind of, uh, you know, dealing with a lot more real life stuff than they might've dealt with in high school. You know, they, I mean, Kurt dealt with a lot of bullying from Karofsky, but like, this is almost, you know, a whole new level. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot to deal with, but I'm glad that they did it in a way that I didn't feel was, um, you know, it wasn't the school shooting episode where they do it and then they have you, uh, watching Will and Shannon go on a date in the meantime. Like they kept the attention on things that needed to be, uh, you know, focused on in this episode. So I thought that that was good. Um, so, and, and the music was all good as well. Um, it just, you know, there's, it's, it's, I don't even know. I'm, I'm trying to like justify why it's a one and not anything lower considering I haven't really had anything bad to say about it. I don't know. I just don't feel, I don't feel like that magic of the, uh, of the zero slushy or the half slushy. I don't know. Well, the one feels good to me. So that's where I will land. Alrighty then. Gold star. Well, I mean, Kurt or Mercedes. Hmm. Whoever you give it to, I'm giving it to the other. Hmm. Uh, it's hard. I feel like I, I feel like I kind of want to give it to both of them, to be honest. And I never do that, but like I'm, I'm passionate about the storylines here. I mean, I just the homophobia of it all, and standing up against that, and then like having to deal with, you know, interracial dating and all the pressures of that. I mean, I sympathize with Mercedes a lot, so I'm doing a double gold star here, Kurt Jeez. and Mercedes. I never do that for this exact reason, for like when I really, 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 really feel it in my heart to do it. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Both of them get it from me. Just because, I mean, for all the things that we talked about, like, I mean, yes, maybe what Kurt did wasn't the smartest thing to do, but like, he didn't care at that moment. He just wanted to stop that shit from happening. And it was right after like a really stressful dinner with his best friend too. Like, so I just, I really, I really commend him for that. It's just very courageous. Um, not very smart, but his heart, his mind was in the right spot. And then, like, I've pretty much said all I need to say about Mercedes, so. Well, that makes my life harder, because I was going to give it to whoever you didn't give it to of that pairing, and now my only option is to also give it to both of them. I mean, what else am I supposed to do? I can't, I can't pick. I didn't want to pick. I said that's why I was letting you pick, and then I'd pick the other. But I guess I got to give it to them both. I can't pick between these two. They both had uh, really strong, powerful episodes, and... Uh, I uh, I know we we've never been one to give out you know, or been you know people to give out two gold stars. We haven't done it at all except for uh, I made an exception back in the quarterback. But um, if uh, if you're going to lead the way and make the exception here, then I'm happy to follow along and uh, we'll give out two gold stars uh, each to Kurt and Mercedes. And uh, sounds good. Okay. I mean, I feel good. I don't. I feel good. Usually, I never feel justified in doing so but i feel like this time around i'm like okay i don't i don't feel bad about breaking that rule like it, just, it feels like it, this is what it needs to be so all right inside you're like don't make it a habit i'm on don't do it again <laughs> punishing myself but all right thank you guys for listening to yet another episode of the choir room uh, we appreciate the support. You can follow us at Choir Room Pod on Twitter. You can follow us individually. I'm at Amon Adwin. Matt is at Matt Ligori. Please leave us star ratings and reviews. They are a big, 
big help in helping other people find this show. We've been getting messages here and there from people that have just recently found the show after us having recorded five seasons at this point. And it's always really, really inspiring to see people respond well to it. So if you like us and you want other people to like us, you got to share us. We're available wherever you get your podcast, so you can leave those ratings and reviews there. Anything else, Matt? Yeah, tell a friend, tell a friend, and uh, tell more friends about us. And uh, yeah, because as, as mentioned uh, previously and whatever, we are uh, not stopping even once you think we might after uh, the end of season six. So we're going to keep going, filling you in with uh, a lot of Glee content and miscellaneous whatever throughout uh, the rest of, uh, for sure, at least, you know, 2020. I mean, we uh, started this back in March and we're still going just as strong. So I uh, hope you guys are still enjoying. We are still having a good time back here. That's all I got for this. Uh, looking forward to a very... Uh, interesting episode coming up next. It is uh, tested. Is up next, and uh, I feel like that we'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. But all right, <laughs> thank you guys so much, and until opening night, we'll see you later. It's only black and white